I'm Richard Dodd, and you're listening to the Ecology Academy podcast. This is a show where we get to talk and learn about all things ecological, including interviews with top ecologists, both employers and employees, those working with ecologists, and also aspiring and inspiring career-seeking individuals setting out to make a difference. The show aims to provide you with insights, advice, and inspiration to help you succeed and excel as an effective ecologist and to make a real difference to our natural environment. Today, I'm speaking with not one, but two of my colleagues here at Wildwood Ecology, Ian Weller and David Wigginton. Now, all three of us had something in common, other than us being in our 50s, uh, and that is that we are all career changers. So, gentlemen, welcome to the Ecology Academy podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Now, it would be remiss of me to actually ask you any easier questions, just because you're my colleagues. So, uh, when we usually start our podcasts, we ask a couple of quick-fire questions, very difficult questions for you to answer. I mean, they're extremely challenging. Are you up for the challenge? Absolutely. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. Look at the enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. You know, we, you know, there's no right or wrong answer. It'll be absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to take it in turn. So I'll start with Ian. So Ian, uh, habitats, species, or ecosystems? Species. Okay, okay. And if you had to choose between plants or animals? Animals. And if you're birds or mammals? Mammals. Correct. <laughs> Not really. Oh, no, there's no answer. Okay. Now, second question for you is um, Manchester United or Manchester City? City. That was a quick answer. Yeah. I'm a Liverpool fan and I hate Man United. Well, this is, yes. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, if you had to choose only one of the following hobbies or pastimes, which would it be? Reading books, watching films, or listening to music? Only one of those. Watching films. Watching films. What film would you watch? Um, my what type of film, should we say? Uh, action, but I, uh, being old, I like westerns. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, is it only, uh, only older people are allowed to watch uh, westerns? Well, not necessarily, but, you know, uh, my favourite movies would probably be starring uh, John Wayne or Jimmy Stewart. Okay. Um, so we're talking 1940s, yeah. 1950s movies. I've like, heard of John Wayne, but uh, yeah, not the other one. You know Jimmy Stewart. You must have yeah. seen A Wonderful Life at Christmas. Oh, right, okay, yeah. He was a, yeah. James Stewart? James Stewart, yes. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Yeah, I'm not on some familiar terms with him to call him Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Old pals. <laughs> Mr. Stewart to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and finally, you'll be ready to like, okay, finally, favourite Star Wars character? Um... I think Chewy, Chewbacca. Okay, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Is that because you? Yeah, I'm, 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 <laughs> is that because he's got a lot of hair? Oh, I'm jealous because I yeah. haven't got any. <laughs> okay, well done. Thank you very much. Now, uh, David, onto yourself. Okay. Now, you, now you've had the warm up backed. I have. Okay, now it's to deliver some serious, sort of firm answers. Uh, okay. Okay. So I'll put the same question to you. So that we have habitat, species, or ecosystems. Liam went for species, so I'll go for habitat. Oh, good. Okay, okay. Uh, terrestrial, freshwater, or marine? Oh, freshwater. Okay, okay. It ends there. You don't get a third choice. No. Okay. <laughs> freshwater there. Um, Port Vale or Swindon Town? Oh, I'd go for Port Vale. Okay, over Swindon. Yeah, yeah. because uh, 
I'm a Forest Green supporter, so there's a bit of a rivalry between Forest Green and Swindon. So. Yeah, yeah. And Port, and Port Vale is near where my wife comes from, so. Oh, there we go. Okay. It's okay. the Pontres, isn't it? I think. Portland, that's, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah, it, um, only slightly, oh, obviously, only slightly better than um, Stoke on Trent. Stoke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stoke City. So. Um, okay. Um, rock and roll or death metal? Rock and roll. <laughs> it was an obvious one, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could have put punk in there, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I may have gone for that. But you may, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And finally, this may be a leading question. Finally, best and worst subjects at school? Oh, best was biology. Perhaps no surprise. Worst, probably history. History? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like history. history. No. Yeah. Probably because of sibling rivalry, because my, my brother was into history, whereas I was more of a scientist. He was a bit of... Sibling, sibling, uh, sibling rivalry going on. I, I think there's a lot of that. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, I think one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why I got into sort of mammals was because my brother was into birds, mm. and he was he just like slight differentiation. So you know, he was big into like you know, got all the RSPB books and on birds and that. And I just went around down the other route. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, clearly, there's only two routes: birds and mammals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> clearly, there's nothing else apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great, thank you very much for that. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, so now we're all warmed up. We'll go into sort of, um, oh, just an, explore, an exploration of changing careers, because um, all three of us, as I say, we've switched careers at some point during our lives, and uh, hopefully it may be the last one. <laughs> Not that, you know, yeah. as in we've found the right career, <laughs> rather than actually, <laughs> for any other reason. Yeah. Um, so, um, I think we'll just open to sort of the discussion. So I'll start with Ian first. So just tell me a little bit about um, your career. So, you know, going from going from school, what, you know, what's, what was that like? And then you know, entering into your first career so, and sort of the time scale on that. Yes, yeah, so I, I left school at 16 and three months actually I was probably one of the very youngest people to join the Royal Navy at the time um, I'd looked at the army and the Air Force um, my mum wouldn't sign the papers because I was underage to go in the army because she thought I was going to go to Northern Ireland and get shot um, and I looked at the RAF and I thought let them go anywhere in the world you know I didn't realize that they had bases around the world so the Navy it was for me. So yeah, I joined up uh, in 1984 and I spent 24 years uh, in the Royal Navy, working my way up through the ranks. I had roughly 17 years out of 24 away from home. Um, I stopped counting countries at over 80 um, and having been to you know lots of places several times over, like Gibraltar 17 times. So yeah, that was my, my main career um, until that kind of become a bit stale for me. I was either uh, six months in a shore establishment or going back to sea for another two and a half years and I'd, I'd kind of got settled down and uh, didn't want to go to sea and spending six, eight months away. Um, so I thought my, my time had come. I'd done all the jobs that I wanted to and yeah. promotion was what we used to call dead men's shoes. You know, um, you'd only get promoted if, if there's a, somebody mm-hmm. above you um, left the service or, or died yeah. um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you moved up there. But it wasn't a, a straight one in, one out pecking order. Every year there was a competition to see who got the top of the pecking order. Um, so you could be first one year and 10th the next year. So 
it just got too much um, to worry about um, and the, the excitement had got out of the job. So I left the, the armed forces and had that dreaded question of what was I going to do next? Okay, well, take it back slightly then. So, I mean, what, what sort of what, what career, what sort of um, uh, yeah, career did you sign up for then? So, not just Royal Navy, but what the oh, no, I, 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 I signed up for the full, full commission. The full commission, yeah, yeah for the full um, 24 years yeah. um, to do that. You did have an option at the time when you signed up that um, you could put notice in, but it was a 12 month notice period. Yeah. Um, because generally, Things would change in that twelve-month period, and you uh, decided that it wasn't now your time to to, to leave. Um, but then, as you got to the twelve-year mark, you, you got what was called a pension trap. That if you left at twelve years, um, your pension was then held over until you were sixty-five. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you did your full twenty-four, did another twenty-four years, you got your pension when you left. So it was a choice of leave after 12 years and don't see your pension for 40 years yeah. or give it another go for another 12 years and, and get your pension. So I, I stuck it out. Um, I did at one point uh, put in for redundancy because like in all jobs, you um, you get in the blues, you get in the doldrums about a job and stuff like this. Uh, and around the uh, the early 90s, they started offering redundancies because they needed to cut back on, on the spending of the, for the Minister of Defence. Which year was this? Or what year? Oh, so that must have been about... Mm, <clears throat> about 94, 96? Yeah, yeah. Something that like that. Actually, yeah, yeah, they were doing big redundancies uh, and lots of people put in for it, but they kind of assessed your worth and... Um, decided whether they were going to accept your redundancy or not and mine got turned down Uh, a lot of people got turned down but they'd had so much um, disheartenment with the armed forces at the time that um, they put the notice in anyway so the the, the armed forces as a whole ended up with a a black hole of recruitment they'd stopped the recruitment pipeline but they'd also lost people in the middle so it then became very difficult to um, to to fill the gap of experience you'd have lots of and inexperienced people and lots of very experienced people but there was nobody in the middle because all that people had, had left and taken the redundancy because it was it was the right time okay for them so um, yeah I stuck it out and did my full 24 okay 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 that's so uh, yeah I think I remember that's because I used to be in the army obviously yeah. the better service um, and yeah, well questionable so uh, <laughs> not, not the senior service. Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, ran about because I left in nineteen ninety five uh, as well. So I mean that was the period, as you say, that I think they were looking for redundancies, and mm. I think I had enough as well. Put my um, put my sort of uh, discharge papers in, and uh, just left us shortly after. But I, I think I had a little reduced time. I think they were desperate, desperate to get rid of me, <laughs> or just desperate to get rid of a lot of people. And uh, so my my was sort of a nine month. Actually, yeah, you know, still, still quite a long period. Mm. Nine months turnaround um, from there already. Okay, so I'll come back to you a second. So I don't ignore this chap here. <laughs> <laughs> so David, um, so yeah, tell me about your sort of, you know, your career uh, up to becoming an ecologist. Then, so what was yep. your, you know, say your, your, your education like, and then going into your first job? Okay, well, um, my degree was in uh, geology actually, um, and. After graduating, I did a couple of years with a civil engineering company in the Black Country, who was mainly involved, or my role anyway, in the company was mainly involved with 
stabilising old mine workings, mm-hmm. of which the black country is completely riddled, <laughs> most of which are completely undocumented, going right the way back to Roman times and probably pre-Roman times. So the whole area is riddled with old mine shafts and very shallow mine workings. You know, famous places like the Crooked House, where the pub is like completely at a bizarre angle. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel drunk just going into it because it completely collapsed under the mine workings. So I was involved in that for a couple of years, which was interesting. What you, what sorry time period was that then? Uh, late eighties, so mm-hmm. sort of eighty seven to eighty nine, that sort of time. Um, so yeah, that would that was good, but I didn't feel that it was something I wanted to do long term in terms of civil engineering. Um, so I you, do you you were taking A levels at this point as well? Do you, obviously you went to university, but yeah. did you? Yeah, yeah. So what sort of A levels did you take at that? Uh, science, but geology as well. So I did uh, did uh, biology, geology, and geography actually. Uh, started off with physics, but didn't get on with that. <laughs> um, what was that? Um, I, I wasn't doing maths either, and I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, my maths is quite good, but I just, anyway, I just found it quite tricky. Um, I think I also responded very much to who was teaching me rather than what I was being taught, so I didn't get on very well with the teacher, I guess, and my lack of motivation probably came into it as well. Um, so yeah, so I ended up uh, somehow getting on a degree course um, and uh, enjoyed the geology. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And in fact, ended up doing more geology because after I didn't, did two years at the civil engineering course, I went back to do uh, PGC, teacher training, for a year at uh, Leicester. So I decided to do secondary science. Um, yeah, so that was, when was that, 89? And that was just at the time when the government was bringing in the national curriculum. Right. So I remember virtually every week a new curriculum mm. turned up. It was constant. When we were, It was the main theme of our... Uh, PGCE year was uh, <clears throat> looking at various versions of the national curriculum so it was a very much a very great time of change when I'm not sure how it was previous to that but post that then education became very politicized it was I think to a large extent it was not so much ignored but not so given such political priority as it was after that's a watershed of the national curriculum time, I guess. Um, so yeah, then I ended up teaching, in a, first of all in Birmingham for 10 years or so. Um, and that was, again, going back to my degree, I was lucky enough, in fact, pretty much all my teaching, I've been lucky enough to teach geology, which is quite rare in secondary schools, but, uh, but I tended to moved towards chemistry so I sort of ended up being a sort of full-time chemistry teacher with geology as a as a, a, a bonus really I guess um, it's all in the Midlands yeah, like yeah I was, I was yeah at the beginning I was in Birmingham and then I I always had this this I guess probably romantic idea of of being a special needs teacher and really making a difference and I left this, which was quite a academically high-flying secondary school, and I was taken on by this headmaster, head teacher at a local special needs school, without any retraining whatsoever. 
So I don't know what this head teacher was, was thinking about, but for me to go straight from, as I said, this quite academically high-flying secondary school to be put in front of a um, classfuls of, of um, special needs pupils without any retraining was, was <laughs> a complete folly on my part and his as well. It was a bit of a silly thing for this head teacher to do really, to expect somebody to make that leap. So uh, I didn't last there very long, uh, was completely out of my depth, I didn't know what I was doing and, and so then I ended up moving down to Gloucester, uh, pretty much going back to what I was doing in Birmingham which was mainly chemistry but with, with geology, in fact I sort of developed the geology while I was there and we ended up, <clears throat> we ended up doing a geology A-level through my sort of um, initiative really and we got quite a good uh, quite a good group of geologists actually at the course at their school many of which went on to do geology degrees yeah so yeah so that would I, I was in Gloucester for 20 years so I only left when did I leave 99 oh no not talking about 99 <laughs> uh, 19 20, okay. 2018, it must have been. 2018, yeah. right, okay. okay. Or 2017, 2018. Mm. And I, I suppose, I mean, the question of both of you really now then. So, um, and, then, and then then you switched over to ecology, is, is that right? Yeah, not, yeah. not straight away. It's probably took me the best part of 10 years to, yeah. to, to make the gradual transition, yeah. Well, yeah. and I say ecology, but you know, in sort of broader sense, I was a biology. I mean, because because uh, Ian, you know, it, it, did you? What, what was your understanding? So you you decided you're going to leave the navy. Um, you know, what sort of career paths were you looking at at that point? Um, the um, the armed forces tended to have um, trends of industries that was going through mm. over a period of years, um, and you know, everybody who left it in, you know, one period all became plumbers. Uh, and then next it was fibre optics because that was the next thing in industry that come along. Um, and when I left, it was project management. And then years after that, it became maritime security. So project management seemed to be the, the, the trend of things to go in for the armed forces. And they always tell you when you're leaving that you're worth more to a civilian company than you are to military companies. In some cases, yes. But if you're retraining and going to something you've never really done before, then um, you have got transferable skills, but sometimes not enough skills yeah. in, in niche areas that they want. So it's quite difficult to, to decide where you're going to. Um, and again, getting into project management without having done it before, you can't just walk into project management. You have to become an assistant and, or an apprentice at things and work your way up. So I, I was looking for the jobs with um, you know, project management assistance jobs. Um, and luckily, Fingers crossed, I've only been out of work since about the age of 14 for three days <laughs> in my life. Um, <laughs> okay. And that was from the date that I left the, the Navy to on like the Thursday mm -hmm. to the starting my first job outside the Navy on the Monday uh, is like the, the longest period I've had out of work. Um, so I was working for a, um, a civilian company that had a... Uh, military contract doing project management but it just didn't work for me I was just felt like I was a glorified secretary yeah. all the time so I had to find something new and you know I've got a quite a um, 
inspirational wife and uh, she can see you know that I'm not happy in something so you know, she give me the proverbial five size five up the buttocks and um, and uh, she actually found me a job um, working for the NHS um, and the NHS were, were rolling out apprenticeships and nobody knew anything about apprenticeships so I applied for a job uh, there was two jobs on offer there's only two people applied for these jobs, so we both got it. And uh, I was doing the apprenticeships in the NHS for four and a half years. And which part of the UK is this then? Um, well, it, the job was based in Bristol, but I was mainly covering the Thames Valley from Milton Keynes all the way down to Southampton right. in, in the first years. And then um, contracts changed and the role changed slightly, and I became um, like a, an apprenticeship consultant for the NHS for the whole of the south so I was covering Cornwall to Essex at that point and you know I was traveling the country to have 20 minute meetings mm. with GP surgeries in Cornwall the next day I was in Essex or I could be in Southampton so it just it just kind of got me down and um, I, I was working from home um, but I didn't have any incentive you know I was I, I felt guilty drawing a, a really good wage but not actually doing anything um, without generating my own work um, mm. So it, it, it kind of got me down a bit. And again, you know, my wife came in and gave me a proverbial and threw a prospectus at me um, for the Royal Agricultural University. I like the outdoors, uh, always like the outdoors. I've got my own allotment, I like gardening, I like wildlife. And um, yeah, there was a, a, a course there for um, wildlife and countryside management as a foundation degree. Um, but again, I was always a bit, um, skeptical about it because I left school with three O-levels. Mm -hmm. I'd been in full-time education for almost 30 years and I didn't want to set myself up to fail. Um, so going on a, a full-time degree course was, was too scary for me. I didn't, I didn't want to, to go that far and, and, and fail at the first hurdle. So I did the foundation degree at the RAU um, and then the one-year top-up for, for the degree because I, I you know, embedded myself in uh, academia once again. I, I found my feet with education uh, realized what I could do and was capable of um, when it is so yeah I, I, there was no stop me I wanted the full degree and I wanted a first I was yeah. I was desperate for the first um, only because the kids have got a first and I had to keep the trend going I, right. I didn't want to be uh, uh, the less immortal in the, in the family um, so yeah and that's whilst I was at university was uh, the point I I reflected on um, what career options were available to me and the uh, the, the choice I've made. Great, thanks Ian. So uh, David, um, in terms of uh, sorry, your thoughts about career change then, so when did, you know, what what sort of decision, why, why decide to change career from being, you know, the, a teacher mm. to into sort of um, a different field? Um, I guess it was um, just just being a teacher for 30 years I guess you know I was getting to the point where it was do something or else I'll be seeing it out to retirement um, and, I, and I wanted to try something different before I reached that point where you know it was like point of no return as it were in terms of how many years I'd left uh, to make it a worthwhile change uh, so I really did want to try because Although, as I said, I did that little bit at the beginning in civil engineering, most of my, a vast majority of my working life was in the classroom, and I really just wanted to try something different. That was the main thing. And um, the school I was at, 
after you did so many years service, they gave you a term sabbatical. Mm. And so I ended up doing a bit of postgraduate study in environmental, in fact it was environmental management, which was mostly about policy at uh, University of Gloucestershire, a local university. So I did that for a term, full time, and then carried on part time to do the full postgraduate uh, diploma. And part of that was uh, looking at uh, ecology and having sort of been a lifelong birder and always been interested in wildlife, uh, I, it struck me that maybe that was where I should be aiming for, uh, that that was, I didn't even realise there was such a thing as a professional ecologist. Um, apart from people like David Attenborough and David Bellamy and Chris Packham <laughs> and those guys that, that, that's how you could make money being an ecologist I didn't realise there was such a thing as consultant ecology so that got me thinking doing that thinking well you know that's combined a career with a lifelong interest to become a professional ecologist and where did you first I mean yes you don't know that there was there was a career option mm. open to you there um, so how did you take that further then? So I mean, you do this, you're doing this postgraduate course, yeah. Say. yeah, 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 yeah. The first, well, once once I'd finished that, then essentially I got in touch with all the local consultancies. Um, strangely enough, I didn't include Wildwood. I don't know why you got missed off my list. Well, we may uh, not have been in Gloucester yeah, at that point. Ah, uh, yeah, yes. yeah, possibly, possibly. Um, so I got in touch with all the local consultancies. Uh, of which there aren't that many, but there's quite a few in the Stroud, Stroud, Bristol, Gloucester, Cheltenham area. Just say, just offering my services, saying, you know, could I do a bit of work experience, work shadowing, you know, just help out. Um, and I was a bit disappointed initially by the response, which wasn't very positive, really. But then a couple of local companies took me on board and, and started to give me some work experience doing surveys, bat surveys, reptile surveys. Um, Can I just take it back? So, sorry, uh, yeah, no, 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 it, it's, yeah, take it, I mean, it'd be interesting to say, mm. do you know the reasons why people weren't interested? You know, it's a, was it, you know, companies didn't respond back, did, how did you, yeah. did you, was it email or was yeah. it by letter? Or? No, I tended to do it by email, which yeah. isn't always the best way of communicating. Uh, I did phone a couple as well, and I think the, general thing is that I'll be more of a liability than a help and why would a company you know just take take me on because I couldn't you know I didn't have any experience mm -hmm. as a professional so it's just a case of me turning up and sort of standing around really um, and, and I must admit for a time I did get a little bit despondent by that by sort of not getting any feedback from people and um, so yeah, I thought, oh, maybe, you know, after all, it wasn't for me and I wasn't going to get him. But I thought maybe, although they didn't necessarily know how old I was, but I wondered whether it was my age. And they thought, well, what's the point of training somebody who may not be, <laughs> I'm not that old, but maybe uh, wouldn't be, you know, doing the job for very long or whatever. Or we'd rather take on youngsters, give them a chance. Yeah. If we're going to take on, you know, so many people to train up or to, to give a chance of training, uh, or experience, then you know, let's go for the young guys. Because I, I, I don't know, if, you know, if people found this that you know that older people you know mm -hmm. uh, expect a, a higher salary. You know that that uh, you know I think or perhaps they wouldn't be you know we wouldn't actually appreciate being on a salary of 
you know, mm. I mean, a couple of years ago he was, you know, 16, 17. Now it's a bit higher, obviously higher, glad to say, you know, appreciate mm. that. It's, it's a, up to 19,000 and if you've been on a salary that's considerably more than yeah, that, yeah. you know, I can see that some employers would go, why would you take such a risk? Yeah, you know, yeah. you know um, so, yeah, I don't know if it's like the, an, a, a sort of fear from an employer to go, actually, do you know what, um, mm. for, I, I fear you rejecting my offer. Mm. I mean, I, I, I'm just sort of paraphrasing it, but I, yeah, I think yeah. that could be something that some employers look at. Yeah, okay. You know, that actually, you know, your expectations may be greater and you don't really know the industry. Yeah. Uh, and that, that could be that could be one sort of perception of it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Ian, um, so going on to your course then. So you've gone to this, was it, well, what was the name of the course? I did uh, wildlife and countryside management oh, sure. um, as a foundation degree, and then the, the one year top <clears> up. Um, but again, it's one of one of those courses that you go into. You got several modules, and you can choose you know which modules you wanted to do. And you know, I, I weirdly, you know, being a you know having a family and a mortgage and and stuff, I I, I couldn't afford to um, to not work while I was in study. Um, so I did the, the foundation degree part-time over three years and the one degree, one year top-up over one year. But instead of being selfish towards me and picking the modules that I thought suited me, I I picked the modules that, that fitted with my work, my part-time work that I had to bring in in the salary um, uh, to keep things going. Um, in the hope that I'd get my degree and there would be a job out there at the end yeah, of it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the choices I made would, would may have been different if my home life circumstances were different. But it, it's, it's a risk you take um, and stuff. Um, I, going through the course, I just put 110% into it. Knowing that I had to go to, to work the day that your assignment was due in at 10 o'clock, mm you couldn't afford to be up at three, four, five o'clock in the morning finishing off your, your essay. It had to be done and dusted by nine o'clock, send it in, put it to bed, get on with it because the next day you've got to, got to live and get on with your life. So it, it, you had to be very disciplined, or I had to be very disciplined, um, to, to go through the course and to attend the days. And, and luckily I had managers that knew I was on uh, an education program. Mm -hmm. um, so they did allow me some flexibility to go on some study days and stuff like this because they weren't part of the day that you was at university. Some days they were, they were different, so I had to take leave and stuff like this. So it was a big, big challenge um, to fit it all in. Um, but one that I'm glad I'd done, um, and, then, and the reason for getting a degree was that whilst I was in project management and I'd had enough, I was applying for, for jobs that um, paid a, a similar salary and with a similar key uh, skills that, that was needed. But on the questionnaire, it says, have you got a degree? Mm -hmm. And I couldn't tick the box. Yeah. And, and the same as David, when he was getting a bit despondent, when he was getting no responses back from things, I was always thinking that I was going in the no degree pile and that was the second lot of people they would look at after they'd looked at the degree people. Mm. Um, and that's, again, one of the reasons why I, I had to get a degree, to tick that box. So when I applied for jobs, I could tick that box. Mm. And it didn't matter what the degree was in at the time, just so I could tick that box. Tick that box yeah. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until you know my third year at the university and the modules I, I was doing then that I'd kind of narrowed down 
where I wanted to be. I was volunteering with a, a wildlife trust. Um, and that seemed to me that it was a, a young person's game. Mm -hmm. You know, that you, like, like David said, that you, they, they took on a younger people, they have had them as volunteers, they've had them as part-times, they've been there for, they know that person and the, the risk is reduced. Whereas somebody of a mature age that's had no long-term experience and they're coming into it, it it's a higher risk, so you, you don't get into it. And again, I looked at forestry and again, you know, when you're uh, using a chainsaw all day and uh, chopping trees down and moving logs and stuff like this, you know, again, like David, I'm not that old and I'm physically fit, but, you know, spending eight hours a day doing that, it was going to take its toll. So I, I had to think about where my career choices were going in, in terms of my physical ability, my uh, work-life balances that was going on uh, and the skill set I had, yeah. um, which kind of narrowed things down a bit to a less physical approach um, and that's why the you know the module that um, uh, you delivered um, really made my mind up that ecology is um, a bit of both um, for me you know you, you'll be outdoors doing that which ticks the box of being an outdoors person but then it goes and um, fulfills the box of, of the the project management element where you are customer facing you're troubleshooting um, you're coming up with solutions for, for something um, you're meeting policy and at the end of it you, you've got a project that, that started off from an initial inquiry by a client to preserving the habitats um, for wildlife but still allowing the developer or the private person who's doing something to get their dream as well yeah. so it's, it's a combination of the two um, and working you know life in balance so problem solving, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you know, if they, if they want to take the roof off, you know, mm. um, and you've got a, a back roost in there, what solution can we come up with yeah. for them to um, to either keep that back roost, which is you know the preferred option, or how do we mitigate against that to, to give them so they can have their their dream home, if you like, um, the one that they've saved and worked for all their lives, without detriment being to you know these these special animals that we have. Okay, so um, um, go to yourself, David, then. In terms of, I mean, Ian had a family to support there. Was it very much a similar scenario yeah, yourself? Yeah, 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 at the yeah. time, yeah. Now, now my, my children have, have grown up and gone, but, um, but yeah, at the time, I was, they were, uh, they were still uh, living with us when I was going through the change, yeah. Um, and so was it a sort of a similar sort of, I mean, a similar process in terms of, okay, well, I, I need to, laser focus my attention on something or was it sort of more of a you know you had a bit more time to actually yeah. view the sort of um, yeah it, it, it sort of gathered momentum I suppose because at first when I started to think about it I just assumed it would be there in the background something that I did alongside my teaching so may even possibly do a bit of part-time you know gradually one would start to you know the, the ecology would start to develop possibly and then I'd sort of gradually maybe reduce my hours teaching. Um, but in, in, in the end, it didn't turn out like that. Well, I suppose it did sort of, because I was doing a lot of uh, survey work while I was still a full-time teacher. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, well, when I, when I was getting a bit of knockback, I thought, well, you know, what's an employer looking for? So to try and make myself more employable. So I thought, well, it's, it's qualifications 
and its experience. So I tried to get both of those. So I, I worked out, eventually, I, I did get a couple of consultancies who were interested and interested enough to give me a chance and I started to do some survey work with them. And, and once I got that, then once I could say to other uh, uh, consultancies, I've got some survey work, then everyone was all yeah. oh yeah, yeah, great, we'll have you. Um, and the other side of it was, was the qualification in terms of getting licenses. So while I was still a teacher, I, I got my Great Crested Newt license just to try and make myself more employable. You know, what, what, would a, what would a consultancy look for in terms of me being useful? Yeah. And having your licenses is one of the most useful things, I guess. So you, 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 actually, you actively sought out you know, what was required to actually gain the license. Yeah. First of all, obviously, what employees are looking for, but yeah. then actually gain the license. And did you, you, know, you were paying for this course on... on Yourself? Yeah. 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 So, the, the yeah. Yes. Basically. Yeah. I, I, I through a university. I, I got my Great Crested Newt license, um, and also got my, my first job because my 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 employer then my first job in, in consultancy. They said, well, if you were prepared to get up, go and do, you know, go and collect bottles uh, from a from a pond. Uh, for newts, and then go and do a day's teaching. Then yes. you're obviously, yeah. <laughs> you're obviously really want to do this work. So it was that that got me the job in the end. The fact that I was prepared to do, to do the survey work, and then go and do a, a day's teaching. I think that, clearly there's similarities there, isn't there? Then between the fact that uh, yes, you're pursuing this additional or you know uh, either, either complementary or yeah. you know extra career, yeah. uh, additional career. Sorry. Uh, at the same time of juggling family life and also mm. maybe academic studies and so do you think that's I mean I, I mean I'm just looking at my own sake as you know mm. my own career path as well do you think that, that's something that's what does that stem from having that maturity to plan um, itself or is it just like a sort of um, hit and hope sort of strategy I mean, what, what, what works best for yourself mm. so yeah. I think um, like David pointed out earlier that um, there's always the risk that you're too old to be employed. Um, companies aren't prepared to take the risk because you may not be long-term or due to your age, you could be off sick a lot of time and they're investing a lot of money into somebody that, that's not, or a person that's not gonna come to fruition mm -hmm. as they see it in 10, 15 years time. Uh, you, know, I, I, you know, companies probably still look at employees with careers of 10, 15 years of longevity. So I think, like David said, to, to make yourself more employable, you've got to go above and beyond, um, I guess, the, the, the younger people that are coming from university and, and people at university these days doing similar courses, they probably started going to volunteering for wildlife trusts when they were 13, 14, 15, and they've already had five or six years experience working part-time, voluntary, doing the summer camps or whatever that we, we never had because of our careers changed. So they've got that advantage. So you, you have to show something to an employer that you're worth taking that risk. And it may be the fact that, yeah, you're doing a degree course and you're still doing 30 hours a week at work and you're volunteering in evenings and weekends to show some sort of determination um, to want to do the job and that if they take the risk of employing you, they're gonna get some value from you as opposed to somebody who's I've done a degree, give me a job. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, think, I think this, the idea of 
um, sort of being too old, I think, is is a tricky one, really, because I, I, I've never been someone who has taken... I've never been an, an employer, so I don't know, you know, necessarily what it's like to look for the right person. But I think in terms of, in terms of age, then, you know, if you take on a 21, 22-year-old, are you, are you as an employer expecting them to work for you for 10 years? You know, and, and you think, well... You know, we're not well. I'm not going anywhere. You know, I, I'm settled. Um, you know, uh, I've I've got a life where I am. I'm not going to suddenly get married and move somewhere else, or the the family's going to have a great change in terms of what's going to happen to it. Probably not. So, in terms of long, you know, um, the, the the medium term, then I would probably think employing an older person is probably more more of a stable option than, than, than the, I mean, both of us have said the risk of having of taken on an older person that's it's probably less risk less risk yeah, yeah. it's interesting because you know the, you know the mindset really so because you know, obviously right you know that's a like from an employer's I mean I'm, I'm, from an employer's point of view you know and I'm only one employer clearly mm. there's, there's, there's hundreds out there um, that um, from you know I look at the person so you know can this person not only do the job um, but also advance themselves and the uh, and sort of our industry, you know, the career forward as well. Mm. Will it be advantage, uh, you know, uh, advantage to them? Will it be advantage to the company? And uh, when it's all about the company, you know, is it the right sort of fit within the company too? Mm. You know, so so not necessarily do I look at um, you know any discrimination. So you know, whether it be age, or, mm. you know, any sort of discrimination. So. That certainly features with it, but I can see there may be some sort of an unconscious bias mm, yeah. um, towards age mm. and gender and, and so forth. And I, I think this is something that our, our industry may, you know, should be looking at. And I think they are looking at it. Um, but you, yeah, it is down to the employers to actually just take a, a step back and just review their own sort of recruitment policies. You know, what is it they're actually looking yeah, for? Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I really like that. You know, fact that actually, you know, being an, a, a career changer actually is less of a risk yeah, <laughs> yeah. than actually taking on a new person. You know, new, new to the career. You know, that's maybe early early twenties. Yeah. But I guess yeah. in, in in certain industries, whether this one is is the same, um, there's always the risk for the employer taking on a more mature person that has got more life skills that they could be a challenge mm. to it because they're, they're, they're going to say, well, we, we've got years of experience. We never did that in our last company. You should mm. do this and that. Um, whereas, you know, perhaps a younger person, uh, you can nurture yeah. into the industry. So mm. again, it's, it's that balance of, of, of uh, the organization and where you're going, whether you, you know, you take on somebody who's mature that, that's got all the skills you want and they can just fit them into a slot and, and on off they go or do you need somebody younger that, that's going to be your next I've been in the apprenticeship there was a, uh, a saying that uh, it, you were growing your own mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and, and it's true for all industries you take somebody young you give them the skills that need that that you want uh, in your way to trade up because that is your next tranche of, of ecologists consultants senior ecologists principals that that long night they've done that in your company and, yeah. and you can train them in that way whereas perhaps a more mature person we might not get to principal ecologists because of the time scales of, of, of yeah. life that we might yeah. not get there so yeah. it's I think it's a tricky one for yeah. as an employer of mm. which what is the balance and I think having a team of young 
and mature or less skilled, more skilled, however you want to badge it, um, is is what a team's all about because you need uh, diversity in, in your team, whether it's age, Absolutely. experience, mm. licenses, interests. Yeah. Uh, you need that for your team to gel together. So as an employer, you can say, well, yeah, we've got somebody in our team that's interested in that, yeah. or we've got somebody I know is capable of picking that up and running with it, mm-hmm. uh, and I can give it to them. And, and it, it alleviates some of the issues you, you will have as an employer as to how you bring your team and the company and the industry along um, with, with developments in time. Yeah, I, I think it is. It's, it's having uh, being open, all parties being open-minded. Mm. So you know, the employer being open-minded to the fact that actually what can this person contribute towards uh, you know, the company, if they're going to look at it from, directly from the commercial aspect, but also, you know, to you know, uh, uh, you know to themselves as well. So, it, it, you know, and, and that, that that's from everyone coming on board. So, being open-minded towards having, um, you know, early entry, early career mm-hmm. um, ecologists coming on board, to you know, mature mature people coming on board. Everyone has something to contribute, and as long as you've got that ability to, okay, you know, listen and understand, and doesn't necessarily agree with everything that's put forward. You know, um, but actually, go. I appreciate you know your viewpoint, and I think this. And as long as we come to a consensus, I think that's you know ha- having that sensible debate. Mm. You know, I think this is. I think that's going to be important for a company to grow and develop. And I think those are the ones that will survive. Mm. But um, j- just moving on into okay, you're you've got a taste now. Go to David. You've got a taste now of, of being an ecologist. Mm. Okay, what sort of traits do you think that you brought into the into that career? And equally so, um, what traits do you think employers are looking for uh, with career changes? Okay. Um, well, the traits that I brought in was an enthusiasm for a start, uh, enthusiasm for the job, enthusiasm for the worth of the job, feeling as though it was I was doing something worthwhile, um, I, and also sort of skills that I'd developed as a, on a hobby level, as it were, being a birder, being able to just generally being interested in wildlife, mm-hmm. and also wanting to learn. I mean, when I first started my, as I think a, a lot of ecologists say, your botany skills are not brilliant, but they're, they're an awful lot better now than they were, mine. Um, so that willingness to learn, and if, if I don't know something, wanting to find out. Mm-hmm. You know, wanting to have the answer, so I, I brought that natural inquiry, natural curiosity. Uh, yeah, yeah, curiosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and and wanting to progress. I I think that comes to a certain extent from the classroom because it, it's it's hard for when a child asks you a question and you have to say, "Oh, sorry, I don't know." So that that need to sort of gather information, to gather stuff, and predicting what having having a good idea as to what might be important for the pupils and, and you can take that to a job as well looking being able to look into the future being able to put yourself in the job and say right what are, what are my clients going to want to know what do I need to know being prepared because if you're not prepared in the classroom you've had it yeah you need to be 110 percent prepared um, because a classroom full of pupils will soon find out if you're not <laughs> and so I take that when I go to a site I think you know what what do I need to know before I go what does a client need from me you know how do I get that information how does the client get that information you know right down to just 
you know, where's the site? You know, do I know exactly where I'm going? Do I know exactly how big the site is? Do I know exactly what I'm going to expect when I get there? Um, just having that level of preparation. Um, but also that those sort of, as Ian suggested before, those life skills where you're just able to talk to people really, uh, communication, you know, being on site and being able to talk to, you know, a, a, a variety of people who you might, ha you know, you might have on site and, and just getting on with people, I think, mm -hmm. is, um, mm -hmm. um, is something that you can only gain or can only do, I think, by experience. I can anyway. Some people are naturally very gregarious and they can just get on with everybody and anybody. But uh, yeah, it's taken a while for me to be able to be able to do that and feel comfortable. Um, so yeah, just I think communication is is key. Yeah. Really. Yeah, I think actually right. You know, it is. It's having that uh, and communication in, in, in all its formats. Mm. As you say, you know, it's not just uh, about discussing, talking, but it's listening, isn't it? Yeah. It's listening, as, you, as you said, you know, listening to the client, what mm. they want, listening to, uh, you know, your colleagues as well, and then coming to a, 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 you know, some, some sort of solution at the end of it. Yeah, you know, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, going from, so you're, you know, you've completed your degree yeah. at, um, at that, uh, the Royal Agricultural University. Okay, so, um, obviously I, I know, sort of know the answer to this slightly, <laughs> um, but, um, <clears throat> Okay, your first role, your first career, uh, uh, sort of um, role as an ecologist. Then, so, I mean, I, I, I just put the, yeah, you want to say so? You work with who was the first company you worked for? Oh, um, go. Do you know I can't remember the name of them because um, I I kind of put myself out there. Um, you know, as as David said, uh, uh, trying to have the the enthusiasm to to, to learn, um, and I did a, a quick search engine search and, and found consultants and, 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 and I did the same as what a lot of people put out there. So um, I, I was taken on by Wildwood as a, um, as a volunteer to start with, because I was asking, asking you about volunteer opportunities um, just to get to know the industry. Because mm -hmm. again, I didn't know which part of the industry I wanted to go into. So you know, I was volunteer for a wildlife trust. I volunteered here uh, and then you took me on as a, um, as seasonal to do um, bat surveying, and I was also working with another company. So I, I too, I was I was trying to, you know, uh, increase my networking web to see what was out there and what was available for me. Um, you know, and try and get hits mm -hmm. on on your website and whether to to see you know which companies would be interested in you. Um, and again, you know, doing the surveys, um, I'd never done a bat survey before other than what we did on the module by you know checking out a building as part of your, your, your PRA assessment. Uh, I'd never seen a bat in my life. So, so my ecology um, knowledge and skills were pretty limited. Um, but again, as David says, being a mature person, you, you have the drive to develop yourself, to learn, to listen, um, to understand what you need to do uh, to be attractive to an employer. Um, Thankfully, I was attractive. Um, oh, in more ways than money. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I had a shave that day. Um, it's, uh, yeah, and then, and then you know, I, I could see it was the industry I wanted to go into. Yeah. Um, and whilst I was working here as a uh, as a part timer, um, again, the understanding that the the, the industry is uh, well. 
the cycle of a of a year of an ecologist is, is a bit like a roller coaster. You know, it starts off steady at the beginning of the year, then it ramps up to you know a, a high peak. You know, in in July, August, when you're doing most of your surveys, and then it comes down again towards the year. So it's it's it was like towards the end of the year, it's going well. You know, is is the work there available for yeah, me? Yeah. And as a small company, I, I and, and a mature person, I fully understand uh, how businesses work and how you get money in and you can't have money coming in if the jobs aren't there and, and you know that and I guess it's that was always at the back of my mind thinking that's going on so I had to start again spreading my wings and, and looking for it um, and applying for, for, for bigger yeah. um, consultancies that, that you get out there some you know with these like two three hundred ecologists uh, on the side but it was my realization at the time that um, working with the, the, a smaller consultancy was what I wanted. It was. It seemed that the um, larger companies have massive projects going on where you are a small fish in a big pond, um, and they wanted blood out of a stone, and um, you had to spend four or five nights in a, away a week, which is not what I wanted a career change mm -hmm. for. I'd, I'd spent all my nights away in the last 24 years. I wanted to come home just about every night. You know, I wanted to, to be home at weekends. That was that was my choice in life at this. So the, the, a small consultancy really fitted um, for me yeah. of, of, in terms of maintaining my work-life balance, but progressing my career of, of where I wanted to go. And obviously having met you previously and then the uh, the part time experience that I got with it, I could see that it was it was a company that, that you know I wanted to work for, and hence I kept pushing and pushing to, to, to try and, and, and see badgering badger well no, go <laughs> offering my yes. services and skills um, yes. in a kind way um, uh, you know to to well, see if there's an opportunity. Well, I think I think you know you've got to be proactive, haven't you? Mm. So I think that's that's one thing that I mean that's the thing I respect as an employer. Is that people are taking, you know, it, it, you've taken time to actually write, uh, discuss, talk to an employer, and I just feel courteous then to actually listen mm. <laughs> and just understand, you know, what is it that a person requires, you know, and if there's an opportunity there to be had, uh, you know, that I can I can help. Mm. That's what that's that's something that you know that's um, I I just thrive upon, you know, thrive uh, yeah. really about. It's just offering offering roles and people for people to advance themselves mm. really. Mm. Um, now, I'm the gentleman, I'm very conscious of the time now, but I just wanted to sort of, sort of bring it sort of to a closure now. And there's so much we could actually talk about, um, but I just think about in terms of well, let's, well, let's look at the industry we're in, but also you know some advice that would probably give other people coming through, whether it be you know emerging ecologists or whether it be actually career changers. So let's look at our industry. So the problems you faced. Um, of obtaining a, this career that you're in uh, at this moment in time, mm -hmm. um, was it? I mean, was it extremely straightforward? Was it complicated? Um, you know, whether you know was was there a, a, um, support out there? What does our industry need to do more of, mm -hmm. or or less of, or change in order to actually attract you know good talent that's coming through mm -hmm. from people who are switching careers? So. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, I became quite despondent to the point where I was going to give up. Thought it's just not going to happen um, because I was trying to put myself out there and I wasn't getting much, you know, much feedback back apart from you know one or two 
And then, and then I did a couple of years um, just doing some bat surveys, not really thinking that this is going to happen. It's just going to be you know one of those things that happens in the background. And then um, yeah, and then and then it started to look, and then it all started to happen really quite quickly. I started to. Get, I remember it was just like about three years ago where I suddenly got interviews for about four or five jobs. So I think it's in terms of in terms of any advice I could give that don't give up. You know, just keep going. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you really want to do it, you know, just yeah, just keep going, and uh, hopefully something will turn up. It um, yeah, it did for me, and um, no reason why it shouldn't for. For anybody else, so yeah, because it turned into I was because the, the the a bit like what Ian was saying. The, the I was getting offered interviews for seasonal work, yeah. And at that time, I had a couple of boys at university. Uh, I thought, well, I can't afford the risk of giving up a full time job if it's only going to be till September, and then that's it. Sorry, folks, you can't do anything now until. Um, so I was a bit. You know, I got offered one just a seasonal post, and I had to turn it down. And I, uh, I thought, well, you know, should I really just risk it and go for it, or, or should I play it safe and turn this this job down, which I turned down. And then, uh, it's about two weeks later, I got offered a full time post. Wow. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, in terms of, in terms of advice, yeah, I'd say don't. You know, you will get, you will hit some brick walls sometimes. But don't let that put you off. I think no. you know, just keep going. Oh, great, great, mm. great. Thank you. And Ian, any sort of um, you know, sort of in terms of you know, anything more that a profession could do, or employers could do, or actually you know, I say career advice to people switching careers. I, don't, I think you know, to reiterate what what David said, I think the the industry um, runs predominantly on seasonal work, mm. and it's it's really disheartening. I, I think it's really exciting. If you come out of university and you, you go into this industry mm. and you get offered a seasonal job, they go, great, I've got my foot in the door somewhere. But there's always the risk that come the end of September, that door is going to get slammed yeah. shut in your face. Mm -hmm. And you need a plan B as an individual because, you know, I would say the majority of the time that is likely to happen, that it's going to come. So I think that is where there's a weakness in the industry, that there is no long-term... Uh, employment solutions yeah. for yeah. Um, ecologists coming into early career ecologists um, because they get the seasonal job they're going to get the six months of experience and again when I was applying for a job it said you must have at least two years worth of seasonal mm, work yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for us to be interested in you on top of your degree so you've done your degree you've got no money then you do seasonal work and then you have to come out of that industry to get some more money to get back into it to still not knowing if you've got a job after two or three years. And I think this, this is what happens, that, that people get their seasonal work and realise that there is n there are very few long-term, full-time jobs in the industry because th there's a, a silo of employer requirements for seasonal work and nothing at the end of it, that people go, well, is this the point I become a consultant? Yeah. Because they've gained some experience, they, mm. they think they know what they're doing, but there isn't a company there to give them the thing. So as a consultant, you can kind of pick and choose as an independent consultant. So you can pick and choose what you want to do. And that's the risk that you train all these young people up, but there is no long-term future. And again, um, I think as the industry, if you was to look at the career path of an ecologist, 
it's virtually non-existent. You know, you don't say two years as a seasonal full-time job. You know, four years as a uh, as a, an assistant ecologist, and you then become a consultant ecologist. There, there is no. Uh, I mean, this is all in boundaries because it depends on your experiences and the licenses you can get and the work that you're working on. But there isn't that career structure, mm -hmm. so nobody knows what it is. So I think people get disheartened after doing a couple of years and got, and can't see the future, can't see where it's going. So they either come out of their industry or set up as, as an independent, yeah. and, and that's where companies lose that talent. I think you're absolutely right. I think uh, you know. It's, I think we could we could go into a new chapter here. You know, in terms of looking at um, you know that that framework, that str a structure which will give confidence to all employees, really, mm -hmm. isn't it? You know that um, you you know that here's the criteria you need. These are the qualities, and um, it's not. I don't think it's time for. I don't think it should be time frame led. You know, experience. Yes, I mean you could say you need two years experience, but. What do you gain in two years? Is the, I think the experience can be sort of stretched a little mm -hmm. bit. You know, some mm -hmm. people may gain a lot more the same amount of experience within six months compared with someone over three, four years. Mm. So I think there needs to be some flexibility there. But but you're right. I think some sort of guidance. Okay, if you hit this level, this level, you should be expected to achieve. You yeah, know, yeah. Th th this promotion. Uh, and so some st structure there. You're right. I, th I think it's if pe if people could see that, you could see. You could yourself remaining within a company for longer, you know, because there is that career projection. Or if you know, you can see, go well. I think I'm going to last until senior, but this company doesn't offer anything past senior. You know, at least there's a there's a decision to be made, you know, mm -hmm. to stick it until that point. Mm -hmm. And things change, of course, but um, no, I think you're right. I think there's, there's a lot of um, insecurity within our profession, and I think as employers, we need to address that. Because I think it's only re, only fair upon you know people entering our profession at any level. Mm. Um, I, I think that's something that we should be really should, should mm. be uh, you know focused upon. Mm. Mm. Great. So um, final words then. Um, as I say, you mentioned a couple of things about um, uh, you know career advice, but if there's one thing you've learnt in the past couple of years, you say as an ecologist, what is it? And uh, uh, and also, I mean, what are your plans? Future plan? This is this is not an appraisal, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, what are your aspirations for the next couple of years then? So, uh, go with um, I think what I've learned is that I can enjoy my work, um, which, you know, obviously, as a as a career changer, there was a reason why I wanted to change career. That I wasn't enjoying my work, so you know, to to actually have a refresh and sort of start again, almost, and say, right, you know, I can wipe the slate clean and I can, you know, be the best I can. This new, and that's been a real, uh, you know, challenge, but also it's been really enjoyable you know, to, um, yeah. So that's that's the main thing that I've got, and where do I want to be? Um, go a little bit against what Ian was just saying that yet yet the time of life where promotion isn't necessarily what you want <laughs> you know it's not all about you know rising up through the ranks and so in terms of I would just like to become more more competent at what I do mm -hmm. and and if that leads to promotion great that's fine but it's not it's not my my aim is to, I'm going to do this and then that will happen and that will happen. It's literally just, I'm going to do this because 
because then I'll be better at my job. And if something else, as I said, if if that leads on to other things, that's fine. But promotion is was you know going. Yeah, promotion is not the main reason why I'm why I'm here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think um, over the past two years, um, like David said, uh, what I've learned is that you you've got to got to keep going at things. Um, it's it's not an industry that, that develops you overnight. Um, mm. It's something that, that happens. So, you know, for instance, getting your bat license could take two to to five years. Um, depend on on the, the situation and and um, the projects that you're working on. You, you may be lucky enough that you're you're out there and you're handling bats every single day, and you get in there and you can you can tick the boxes. In some cases, you you may be working on projects that don't touch bats. So you're all on great crested newts. So I think you, you've got to keep going on it, and I think you have got to have um, a bit of a plan of where you're going. It's it's one of those industries that you can go down and say, well, I'll go down the dormouse route, but you know, you may be in a county that's got no dormouse, so what, what good's your license for it? Mm-hmm. Um, and the same with great crested newts. So you, you become a specialist, but then you kind of narrow your field of where you're going. So I think it's having a plan, understanding your the career structure that's available to you and how you can um, progress through your own interests and um, the opportunities that the, the company's given you to get that. And again, same as David says, it, it's not necessarily all about the, the promotion. Um, and I feel that at the end of my working day, working week, that I'm happy if I know I have contributed to the team and, and we're all on the same page and we're all working together. It's not about me mm-hmm. in the company you know, thankful of promotions and pay rises and all the rest of it comes with it. It takes hard work to go to it, but you're only going to get that promotion if you are working as a team and working mm. with your your colleagues. Because mm. standing out as an individual yeah. doesn't take the team or the company anywhere. It just takes mm. the individual somewhere. So yeah, um, teamwork is teamwork and communication is is mm-hmm. the things to take forward. Wonderful. Well, thank you, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure talking to you um, uh, uh, today. And I just want to uh, just say thank you so much for being agreeable to actually come onto this podcast (laughs) and talk through career changes with the Ecology Academy uh, podcast. But for all, thank you so much. Thank Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoy our show and want to help, then please click on the subscribe button and rate us on your favorite podcast player as that's how you can inspire ecologists in the making, help retain great talent, and provide insights of our industry to a much wider audience of why ecology really does matter. Thank you. And remember, learning is a lifelong endeavor. So stay curious, be adventurous, and build bridges for others to cross.